Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdin, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, editor and founder of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the fifth episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this monthly podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And being that we just recently wrapped up Superior Spider Month, we have a ton to discuss this month. So in an effort to not max out your listening devices, we're breaking this episode up into two installments. What? I know. You're totally getting more bang for your buck, for your free podcast downloading buck. So this is episode five. Episode five, we're going to be discussing Superior Spider-Man numbers 12, 13, and 14, as well as our, our thoughts on where the series is headed. Then, as we've been doing with all our other episodes, we will be concluding our podcast with a classic review of a comic from our collection. In this case, it's Amazing Spider-Man number 238, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. What? I know. Hobgoblin. He's here. He's in Superior Spider-Man, and he's first appeared in 238. Then, we're going to be doing episode six concurrently with episode five. So, that means they're both going to be releasing uh, more or less around the same time, which means, uh, Mr. Dan, you better start editing now. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> in episode six, we're going to be focusing on all of the B titles that uh, were released during Superior Spider Month, uh, mainly Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Superior Carnage miniseries, and the Superior Spider-Man team-up. Uh, then we're also going to be discussing some Spider-News and yet another classic issue from our collection. So, uh, like I said, Dan, get to work. Yeah, well, I will. And uh, if you guys want to skip to a specific section, all you have to do is use the chapter selection arrows on your player. And returning to your spider talk, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS devices for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. iTunes saw fit for some reason to return that function to your podcasts for no random reason, and I'm going to take advantage of it. So look forward to that. You can email us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash superiorspidertalk. Yeah, our Facebook page is actually a great place to keep up with us in between shows as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and also how to get in touch with us. So please, like Dan said, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Superior Spider Talk. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. We love your reviews, good or bad, and we will always read them online. In fact, uh, if you go to the Facebook page right now, you can find several articles we've written as well as invites to some meetup events uh, because Mark and I will be attending the Connecticut Comic Con and at least I uh, will be attending the Baltimore Comic Con. Mark still has to figure out what he's doing. And we'd love to meet up with you if you'll be attending. And uh, at the Baltimore Comic Con... I'll be there, and so will Stan Lee. So you're going to have to make a choice. It's like a Sophie's choice here. Who are you going to see? Or you could do both, really. Um, yeah. So good or – yeah. Go I would say I'm just I'm – just, I'm indecisive about Baltimore because I've watched too much of The Wire, and I'm just afraid. But that's okay. Hey, it's, it's near where I live, so I'm used to it. 
because I'm a hardened criminal. Okay. Um, so go to our Facebook page and sign up to join us for a conversation. Or if enough people are interested, maybe we'll go out and get some drinks later. All right. So now let's get into our reviews of Superior Spider-Man 12 through 14. Okay, so Superior Spider-Man number 12. You know, what What stood out to me most about this, Dan, was the fact that um, for a middle part of a three-part arc, it, it felt pretty fast-paced, uh, actually even a little more plot-progressive than the opening arc. I mean, if you go back to our last podcast um, with issue 11, I, I kind of felt that there was a lot of running in place with this. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of action here between... Um, Spider-Rock and, and Smythe and Vulture and Boomerang and, and Scorpion and then obviously a lot of really key exchanges with, with Otto and J. Jonah Jameson um, it, it was just um, like I said I felt that, that things were moving faster for a change and, and, and I felt that um, some of the major plot points were starting to, to, to um, come to the forefront here yeah I mean I kind of agree with you um this is mostly a, an action issue. Uh, it's one of those, it'll probably read really well in a trade because you can read the whole arc of the story going straight through this. But for me, uh, action in Spider-Man books has kind of always been like that like cherry on the top. You know, like it should be used like uh, sparingly and, and, when, and when so it should be sweet, you know. And here... I enjoyed reading this, but I, I enjoyed – what I enjoy about uh, Superior Spider-Man is more of the psychological stuff, the who is um, you know, Spider-Ock or whatever, Spock or whatever you want to call him. And I thought in the first part of the story, we got a lot more of that. I liked the moments of him coming back to the raft, and here it was just kind of like Spider-Slayer versus – you know, uh, Spider-Man, and, and it was fun to read, but not one of my favorite things ever. Although, I really enjoyed Alistair Smythe, also known as the Spider-Slayer. He, like, really wants you to know that his name is the Spider-Slayer. Yes. Um, I liked him uh, mocking Ock for orating like a Bond villain. I thought that was a really nice, uh, a, good, a good joke. I chuckled when I read that. Yeah, fantastic one. I've actually found myself using it a couple of times. Uh, I, I think I did it in a gimmick or good uh, one recently and talking about Magneto, which was funny. Uh, so, so good job, Dan Slott and Christos Gage for that. Um, I mean, I, I know what you're saying in terms of the characterization. I mean, I, I felt we got a lot of really interesting Jonah moments. In, in this issue specifically, including one that was um, really uh, nailed by one of our readers or, or listeners, excuse me, um, when and I totally missed this on my first read of the, of the comic, which kind of embarrassed me. But there's that scene where, um, you know, Jonah's given his his orders to Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man asks him to basically say explicitly, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to stop him any means possible? And Jonah's like, yes, do any means possible. And and you see the little spider bot and and 
you know, Otto is of course like, oh, that's that's uh, that's all I need, and takes off. And you know, this the, our one of our listeners said, oh, Dan, Dan from the last episode is totally right. Jonah's going to get blackmailed. He's overreaching. He's overstepping. The spider bot totally captured him. I was freaking out with how right you guys were with that, with with how how good your predictions were. Um, so yes, great prediction, Dan, but also good for our reader to like point out the dumb moment for me. I was like, oh yeah, that, 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 that was what happened there as we will later learn. But, um, Jonah in the, in the suit, man, that was pretty chilling, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty scary. Like he always hires people to be his super powered, uh, assistants and here he's like, got the gun this time. Um, and we've seen him with like weaponry before, but he's got like a laser gun now. Like watch out. Yeah, it's it's it was very uh, kind of futuristic, cyborgy, and everything. Um, I, I mean, it was fun. I, I, again, I, I, I when I talked about the the pacing of of this issue in the beginning, I, I, I shouldn't make it sound like I thought that this was you know a brilliant masterstroke of of comic book writing here because you know what we're starting to he- see, and I think we're going to be coming back to this in the other two issues that we talk about in this episode, is it, it, we're, we're tracing over the same ground in a lot of ways with, with, with how we're busting open these revelations. It seems like, you know, and, and, and the first half of Superior Spider-Man did this too. It's, it, there, was, there was, you know, action sequence and then a big reveal at the end that was supposed to be the, oh, this is so different and superior kind of moment. And, and in this one, in 12... You know, there was the big ending where, um, you know, the scorpion is is um, out for blood. Boomerang, blo- boomerang blows himself up because he's always a tool. Uh, <laughs> Vulture, <laughs> Vulture is going to going to strike at the hostages and, and Spidey Ock is dealing with Smythe. And, you know, Smythe's like, who are you going to choose, apprehending me or, or saving your hostages? And, and, you know, to the shock of nobody. Spider Rock is like, oh, I'm going to take you down. Screw the hostages. I mean, it, it, it's you know, like we we've seen this from him before. We get it. He's different. He he's got a different way of doing things. I, I want to see them start doing more with that. I want to start seeing them do more consequences with that. And we're not doing it. It's 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 too much of just running over the same old ground over and over and over again. And and like the ending in this case just really frustrated me because, like I said, it just it it it. If it was meant to shock, I feel like if you've read through the first 12 issues of this comic series so far, you shouldn't be surprised by this ending. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what the like the point of a lot of this action is. And again, I, like I said, I like Spider-Man action, but the the beat that we're meant to be getting from this action is often, um, oh, he like planned this out. Like, there are a million instances in this comic where, and even in the last issue where the Spider Slayer is like. I did this, and you know he's like, I thought of that already, and he's trying to go through a, a grate in the floor, and then it explodes, or um, you know any number of things he's already thought of, and that's not really fun to read. It was fun to read in the first issue of Superior Spider-Man because we get to see him as Peter Parker, like setting it up, and it was clever and new. And now I'm just kind of like, okay, I get it. He's smart. He's uh, has the upper hand. Uh, you know, and I begin to think back on previous battles with uh, Doctor Octopus. Like, how did Spider-Man ever defeat this guy? Like, he is so prepared. You know, there's there's um, a dotting your eyes and crossing your T's that I've never seen before. Which you know might be a part of the development of his character, but um, it's too much. It's it's not as fun to read someone be successful all the time. Um, so I, I don't know this this issue. The action was like 
well drawn, I guess, but like there was no back and forth. I never felt like, oh, how is he going to get out of this? Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like I said, I mean, the, you know, the ending is supposed to be this big dramatic reveal, but we've seen it before. So the the the, the what what why was I reading? Why was I going to go on and read Superior Spider-Man thirteen after reading this comic? I mean, I think that's a that's a good question. And you know, be, beyond the f- point that you know, I've 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 enjoyed this series so far, and I, I I still am intrigued by the by the general concept of it, and want to see where it's going. But um, there there the, the, there has not been a hook yet in a while. Well, thirteen has a hook, and we'll get to that. But it, it, it's. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. There's, there's, there's what, what's, what's grabbing me? What, why? Where's the suspense? Where, where, you know, where's the peril? I mean, you know, like Sp- Spidey's getting beat up a little bit in this issue, but it's not. You know, nothing is ever. Nothing ever feels out of hand. And in terms of um, how did Spider-Man ever beat Doc Ock back in the day? I, I mean, I, I think this is a. It's a legitimate question. You know, are. are is is Otto being elevated now in a kind of variation of revisionist history? Because you know the the, the, the Doctor Octopus that was always in Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, all the other series um, was a brilliant person and a powerful person, but his ego and hubris always undid him. And that's and 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 we're 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 getting there's plenty of ego here um, and there's plenty of hubris, but nothing's undoing this man yet. And, yeah. and I mean, well, what are you going to say? Well, I would say in Superior 13, we see a moment where he might uh, not have planned for it. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I want to come back to that final page. The, the idea in there is that he has said, basically, screw the hostages. You know, like, I'm coming straight for you. And, and that, that might be a method that we haven't seen Quite yet, so I, I want to give them some credit for for that. I don't know if it's enough to hang a whole book on, um, but it is interesting. You know, it, it's like the the ending of Spider Man One. You know, the movie where like the Goblin is like, "I've got your girl here, and I've got these kids here," and he drops both of them. Spider Man's like, "I don't really care. I'm just coming after you." Like that's an interesting choice for the character to make. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, although I was never really worried about the victims because I know if any of them are going to die, it's Mr. Shipley, the guard, because he was just introduced last issue and they've made him like unlikable. Uh, so who's going to buy it? Possibly yeah. that guy. Yeah, total total red shirt action there. Um, and, and, and I guess that's the problem. It's not that I want – Slot, uh, slot and, and Gage and whoever else is working on the book at the time to to kill off a different character every week, but like you know he, you know we have one scene where like you know Ashley Kafka is kind of unceremoniously offed in Superior Spider-Man Four, and then we have a circumstance here in Twelve where maybe there should be consequences to Otto's actions, and there aren't any, and it seems like you know. We're still feeling the repercussions for what Peter did, but but Otto, there are no consequences for Otto's actions so far. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about the artwork uh, in this book. Um, how did you feel about Kamenkoli's work? Yeah, he's still probably. It's not bad. It's just not great. It's just it seems very paint by numbers to me. Um. Yeah, this is the, it's it, this is, there's a flatness to it. I don't know how else to put my finger on it. 
Yeah, that's my feeling too. I I, I don't think it's um, it's uh, very dynamic looking, except for in the action moments when he's able to blow out the background or rely on explosions and things like that, which he does very well. And I'm not sure if it's an inking problem because I've looked at his pencils and they look really great. Like every time I look at his pencils, I'm like, I could see like the strength of this, this artist. But I think the problem is that the, the, um, the coloring is very dynamic in this book. And um, it's very rounded, um, and it really brings a lot of like depth and shape to the characters. And and you know, good good job on on the artist or not the artist, the the colorist, um, who I think uh, is Antonio Fabella for this issue. Okay. Um, but the thing is, I think his backgrounds and the angles he chooses are very flat. And you can compare this to something like Humberto Ramos, who, you know, might not be perfect all the time, but his angles are always interesting, and he always has layered images. And I feel like Kamenkoli's are always everybody exists like in a Wes Anderson movie. Like it's very flat on a plane. There's like a foreground, a middle ground, and a background, and maybe that's it. Like three planes of action. Yeah, I mean, even the final splash page, kind of like. When I first looked at it, it kind of evoked a little bit of um, Steve Ditko to me, but it just didn't have the the, the personality of a Ditko of a Ditko illustration. It, yeah, it's it, very it, by the books. It's like a robot drew it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like an, uh, a talented artist imitating a, a more famous artist. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean all the lines of the webs are so perfectly straight. There's no – like Todd McFarland would do like a stray bit of the webbing here or there, you know, that would give it some flair or some splash. And I I would love to see him open up a little bit and get a little wilder um, with his artwork. Um, And we'll talk about how I feel about Superior 13 because I actually think – um, he does get – that is a stronger issue for him. Is he your least favorite of the three artists? It, it depends on what Ramos is doing in the moment. Um, we'll get to Ramos when we talk about 14. Um, but um, usually Kamakoli is um, unless Ramos is just doing something that's kind of really frustrating me Yeah, in, 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 that, in that very unique Ramos way. Okay, so uh, let's talk about grades unless you want to discuss anything more. No, I'm good with that. Okay, so what what grade would you give this book? I'm giving it a B. Um, I could probably go lower than that, but I, I'm I'm gonna say B just because I, I I you know in, especially in the context of the full arc, which is probably my favorite story of of, of the three parts. So B for me. Okay, and this is probably my least favorite part of, of the of the arc. And, um, you know, there's nothing offensive about this. I think it's a totally serviceable comic book. It has, like, all the action you could probably want. So, for me, it's like a C. It's just an average. It's an average book with a bunch of fighting. Yeah.
okay, so that brings us into Superior Spider-Man 13, which is the final part of this of this end of the end of the Raft era arc. Um, and you, you, you know, again, I, I I felt like this was a comic book that was building to something, and I just don't know that the payoff was there. So so in this case, we're we're building to. Another status quo shift, which is w- w- how many status quo shifts have we had, Dan, since Superior Spider-Man started? I don't was- know, like three or four. Like every other issue is a status sh- quo shift, and I, I don't mind it personally. I don't, I, I don't mind it when it seems to be a logical progression. Like obviously going from nine to ten, or you know eight to nine to nine to ten was a very logical progression. I mean, you know, we had the discovery of Astral Peter and then voila, the Parkerectomy, and then this is my this is the the first day of the rest of my life issue of Spider of Superior Ten. In this one, what I mean basically what the progression is is uh Spider Rock's ego, which is already ginormous, is just so engorged at this point, and that's really the best word I can think of, and it's kind of a silly word, but I like it for that. Um, he's going to have his own island now at the, uh, by issues end. It's Spider Island 2 uh, with minions and, 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 you know, he's calling up, you know, contractors. Or I don't even know who he's calling. I mean, he's, 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 he's putting calls out to get, get people to work for him, and he's got this. I, I, can I stop you for a second? I love that there's a minion hotline. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it's, I'm surprised S.H.I.E.L.D. just hasn't tapped into that, though. What, what is that number? <laughs> I, I want that number. Yeah, to, to 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 help when you know we're we're overloaded with all these different things, um, and and, and you no, know, it's fun. It's 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 a fun little uh, little um, device there. But like, what, what what happened to Superior Spider-Man being about Otto's redemption? Like, we're so far away from this at this point. Like, like we are just. You know that that's that was point A when Superior Spider-Man One started, and you know, slot on Twitter and interviews is talking about, oh, well, but this is this is you know, we're talking about how Doc Ock, the former villain, is coming to the side of good, but he's doing it his way, and and I get that, but like, this this is this character isn't seeking redemption. This 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 character is is just so much about himself at this point that I mean, he's he's now acting like a villain. He's acting like a villain in Spider-Man's clothing, and I don't know if if this is a character that is really grabbing me right now. I'm not really sure that it's ever really been about his redemption per se. Like I think he's been a quote unquote good guy. Um, he just has a different method of going about it. Like I think that's what the series is really about. It's, it's about like, why is it so important that Peter be Spider-Man and do it the way that he does it? Like right now we haven't seen many of the downsides, but I have to imagine that it's coming soon. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about superior 14, but um, you know, I, I, I think like the redemption is like, uh, it's kind of like he, it's kind of already happened. Like he's a good guy now. Um, and I, I don't think you could argue that like what he's doing is particularly bad, especially in the world of the superheroes that you read about in the Marvel universe. Like, yeah, he's killed a couple people who hasn't in this universe. He's doing like good things i get you know i guess and especially when we get to superior 14 um but uh yeah i I don't know i'm less caring about the redemption element i i i more find it interesting to see how this he is being good um to a point at least yeah i i I mean i definitely disagree with you on that because i mean i I feel that um yeah i mean even even in superior 10 
they were setting up like, you know, he was going to be, you know, with, with Aunt Maine and his girlfriend and his family. And he was, you know, that Otto was going to experience a, a slice of life that he never got to experience when he was Otto Octavius because he had the abusive family and then, you know, be, live, lived the life of a supervillain. Uh, you know, Peter Parker didn't know how good he had it. And then, you know, and we discussed this in the last podcast, there was this shift in tone, uh, which I initially, which initially didn't bother me, but now as they're playing, I feel playing it up more where like, you know, Peter Parker's life sucked, you know, like this, this whole thing, like, screw this, you know, what happened to him telling May and in, in issue 10, like, I will, I, you won't catch me hanging out with that Spider-Man, that, that nasty Spider-Man. And, and, you know, I, that's a promise I will make to you. And now he's like just hanging out on his island all day. Like I, I don't get, you know, where one leads to the other. And, yeah, and- well, I think it's just an event of a of a day, and I don't mind them taking some time off from Peter. I agree with you that like books with Peter in them are always better. Um, and here we get no Peter Parker, um, but uh, you know, I, I I don't mind them doing like a contained. Uh, story like this, you know, it was over it after like a month, and you know, I thought it was kind of fun the way that it moved the plot forward for both um, Spider-Man, the hero, and uh, some of his rogues gallery. Um, and then I hope eventually, like you know, and I think maybe that's why fourteen felt a little off as we got no Peter again. Um, you know, eventually we we will find an issue that comes back to Peter, and we'll see some of that redemption again. I think I, his his life as Spider Man and Peter are two different things. Ultimately, Dan, I, I mean, I, I I agree with what you're saying in terms of you know the Peter centric issues versus the the, the Spider Man centric ones that they're two separate people. Um, I just still felt um, Otto as Spider Man. Um, we were seeing a progression progression when this series first started. Um, you know, he was getting ready to strike boomerang down until the, the, the ghostly hand of astral Peter interceded. And, um, and, you know, we had the massacre massacre and then the, the jester and screwball thing. And then like there's, you know, he had that cardiac arc and I felt that the cardiac arc was where, I, um, it's still probably my favorite arc of the series. And, and I thought that was where, we really started to see this being a story about redemption, not just as not just as Otto being Peter, but Otto as Spider-Man. You know that um, he was able to put his ego aside to, to help Cardiac out in the hospital, even though it, you know it, it was not what he initially set out to do. Because um, it seems like you know Otto just gets this tunnel vision when he's on a mission, and it's you know kill or be killed. And um, you know, we had the Parker act to me, and then I feel like we're, we're we're back at stage one again. Except, you know, now there's no Ghost Peter to intercede, and I get that that's the point, but I, I, I there's just an aimlessness to it, and I don't know what what we're what we're trying to get to. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I I wonder if the the cardi- like the the point that Doc Ock took away from the cardiac uh, issue where he saved the little girl's life wasn't like him just misunderstanding the significance of that. Um, you know, he, he says, Oh, you know, I did this. Like clearly I, I made a decision that Peter wouldn't have made and that makes me better than him. Um, and maybe that's it, but I, I do agree. There is a bit of aimlessness about the overall progression of the character. And it'll be one that's interesting to read when all of this is over and see like, was there a clear thought about how things changed throughout but yeah you're, you're probably right right i mean with that said we are getting little 
bits and morsels of 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 setup for Otto's eventual fall. I mean, for me, the most striking moment was um, him revealing his identity to Smythe. Now, granted, Smythe, you know, Smythe's not, his, you know, literally putting out his last breath of life, but that seemed like a really dumb Bond villain move to do. And, you know, considering he was told he orates like a Bond villain, I guess that, that kind of fits. Um, you know, that, that doesn't seem like something that, that, you know, Peter or Spider-Man would ever do, you know, even if his villain, because, you know, we all know that all it takes is the hand to resurrect somebody and, <laughs> and then it's all over, you know, yeah. I, I mean, Otto himself should know that. Um, so, you know, I feel like that kind of arrogance is going to bite him in the, in the rear very soon, because I mean, I just don't see how he thinks he can get away with that. Yeah, there's a there's a great um, moment there as he's standing over Smythe's body. Uh, it's like a callback to Avenging Spider-Man and the beginning of this issue where Peter like is standing over Ock in the raft and he's like mocking his legacy and he, and he says like that's your legacy, nothing. Like no one will remember you, you know. And he says the same thing to Smythe. He says that's your legacy, nothing, less than nothing. Like he's completely oblivious that he's doing the same thing Peter did to him. Um, oh, yeah. No, definitely. And, and I, you know, the other thing also, um, what's going on with Jonah? And, and you know, I, I, I guess the fate for Jonah could have been worse in terms of the blackmail. But, I don't know, Jameson is just not somebody that I would um, bite the hand of too often. And, and I, I think Peter uh, learned that during his time as Spider-Man. I mean, he would toy around with him, but, like, you know, he was not somebody he tried to, you know, hold a debt to. Um, and I, I just, you know, when when Jameson finally finds a way to get the upper hand, and you know he will, that's that's not going to be pretty for Spider-Rock. Yeah, Jameson is – I would argue that Jameson is probably Spider-Man's greatest villain. I mean he's created like 90 percent of Spidey's villains. Uh, like – I guess maybe he doesn't have Peter's memory, but like, come on, like the the scorpion like on the island with them and the Spider Slayer are both creations of Jameson's like twisted uh, ego and 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 anger towards Spider Man. So like, he's gonna figure it out. Like Jameson is a conniving bastard. He'll figure something out. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, we're, we're we're getting the seeds planted. I mean, you know, Otto is still gonna is gonna get his comeuppance, even if you know. We have letter, you know, letters to the editor from Stephen Wacker in this issue saying, "Oh, he Otto forever, man. It's your mom and dad, Spider Man, with that Peter Parker lamo or whatever he's." Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> uh, but but you know, it's 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 like I said, it's it's this delicate balance of yeah, we're getting we're getting the taste, but I, I and it's not that I need this thing to, it's not that I need more of, of this. I just there's this there's. There's this, and then there's the simultaneous kind of, you know, walking on a treadmill. That's that's the, with, with the character that's kind of bothering me. Um, I did like how there were progressions for, you know, maybe there wasn't enough for uh, Spider-Man, but for, and there is a big, you know, progression towards Spider Island Two at the end of this. Um, yeah. But, it's just, so I mean, I just have to say. Is that just a big middle finger from Slot to his critics? I don't know. I kind of hope so because I love Spider Island and I've heard people hate on it. And I don't think they really understand how great of an arc that is. Yeah, Spider Island is probably like my favorite Slot slot story. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely his most overzealous, um, but that's not a bad thing. 
Um, it, it's you know, but so if, if that if, it definitely it, I mean, there, there just seems to be a lot of that that throughout this entire issue. And I mean, you know, not to talk about the whacker comments. I mean, if you guys do have, I think it's in the digital copy too. I was in my digital copy. If you read, if you if you glossed over the letters page, you really should look at it because I mean, Stephen Wacker is really trying to feed the trolls here with some of his comments. So and now it's um, actually in the printed book. Okay. No, no, I'm saying like normally he does it on the internet. Now right. he's actually putting it in the book. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 just you know like and 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 it was all good fun. I'm not, I'm a, and you know he made a joke about the New York Mets, which of course made me sad. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's it, there, there definitely seems to be you know especially we're headed into Superior Spider Month and you know all these new titles and the the series is stronger than ever. There definitely seems to be a little bit of a of a you know a few people who said this thing wouldn't last um, kind of chip to the, on their shoulders and that's fine. Um, getting, so getting back to the issue, I, yeah, I like, too. Yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, I like all the developments that were made with, uh, his like rogues gallery. We have the lizard here. Um, like he finally reveals that he is Kurt Connors trapped in the lizard body. Um, how do you feel? Like, so we, have we given up on Connors? Like, I can't figure out what they were trying to do with the character. Was was the idea that uh, Kurt Connors was a bad guy and he was the one that caused all these problems to happen and not the lizard infringing on his brain? Like there's there's this balance between he's a really good guy with a like, you know, an evil side to him or like he's not really that good of a guy and he also happens to be the lizard like can are we going to see a doctor lizard or whatever or is is he like beyond like redemption that's that's a great point what the hell are they doing with the lizard i don't know i i, I just don't know i i have not been a huge fan of the lizard in a spider-man comic in a while which is a shame because i think he is one of the great villains um or, or not, not, that's the point, not one of the great villains, one of the great characters, because there's, there's, I mean, you know, I've always viewed the lizard as Jekyll and Hyde. It's kind of Marvel's homage to, to Jekyll and Hyde, you know, as Kurt Connors, he's the good doctor who overreached, in, you know, and, and became this monster, um, which I mean, you know, what causes a doctor to overreach with science? I, I mean, does that mean he, he is inherently evil? That's the great question, but like I don't, I never got the sense that Connors, the person, had inherent supervillain type ambition, you know. Uh, and and they they kind of like seem to sway back and forth from you know, he's you know, like you said, he's he's the good guy with an evil side, or no, he's he's kind of a shady guy with, and then he also is the lizard, and 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 I would love for them to kind of pick one at this point because because it's 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 getting confusing to me and and i thought we'd get more of the lizard too in this issue and we really didn't yeah i mean he's on the cover and i i like the cover a lot actually i think it's a cool cover yeah um and yeah i kind of wanted to see more of him but it is a big progression for him that he's leaving the raft and seems to be trusted by jonah um even though he was living in the sewers and eating people for a while um I don't know if he's uh, redeemable after that, but I, I will be interested to see like what they do with him. Like if he's making science, like uh, you know, for the government under strict watch, you know, that might be interesting. Um, and to see whether he and 
Spider-Man can ever rectify their problems. I, I don't know. I don't know. But there's definitely something that's going to be done with that character. We've moved him out of the raft for a reason. Um, and I also thought it was interesting with Smythe gone now, uh, which, by the way, Smythe dies in this issue. It's the end of Alistair Smythe. Uh, yes, and is he the last, the last in the line of Smythes now? I think, no one. I think so. I mean, um, I don't remember him having any children or a woman in his life. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, nobody was going to date this guy who was obsessed with Spider-Man. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no Ali Smythe or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, like, Jonah found a wife despite, like, while being obsessed with, Spider- with Spider-Man, so I wouldn't put it past Alistair. I mean, he's a pretty charming guy. Yeah, uh, exactly. He's that always helmet. got that, that nice shining headpiece on his... You know, yeah, on exactly. His dome, yeah. But um, he's gone, and that's, you know... He wasn't my favorite Spider-Man villain, but, you know, we're seeing the end of a villain. And um, uh, But also, Scorpion and Vulture now don't have and, – and Boomerang, but I think it's more important for Scorpion and Vulture. They don't have their cybernetic enhancements. So Scorpion is pretty much, you know, debilitated. He has no jaw. Um, and I don't know how he was talking anyway. It's not like he couldn't – I don't know. But he was talking, whatever, comic books. Um, yeah. But – uh, like, what do they do now? Vulture is blind, and Scorpion has is, has no jaw. Um, like, what what's next for them? I I don't know. I'm sure they'll come up with some device that allows them to whatever. But um, you know, yeah, these characters I, I just are say, out. If if Mark Wade can bring back Bullseye, as he's done currently in Daredevil, I don't know if you read Daredevil, Dan, but I mean, you know, Bullseye basically is just like a a, a statue. For the most part, it's a real because he's crippled and and dead, been killed five hundred times. They'll figure something out for those two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, so how about we, we talked about Kamikoli on twelve? Um, I actually thought he did really good. This was probably my favorite issue of his. Now, there's that one splash page of of Smythe and Spider Man, and it's like to the death, and it's this very dramatic thing. I thought that was like just awesome, awesome artwork. Yeah, I think so too. And I like the pages before it even better, I think, where Spider-Man is like flying down this hallway with all of his bots and he comes like bursting through the wall and Smythe is there looking like really evil and he like crunches one of his spider bots. I love that. I thought the shading um, from the colorist was really beautiful on that. And and I also think um, we're seeing, uh, like I mentioned in the last issue, uh, Kim and Coley like warp perspective which I think gives it a bit more power, and I would love to see him do more of this. Please do more things like this. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, get out, get out of your comfort zone and do some different kinds of things here. Because, um, you know, Stegman and Ramos both have a very distinct style, and Kamikoli definitely seems to have the blander style. And I think that's probably why his stuff is more forgettable. I think the colors here were more nuanced as well, um, especially like um, how the light falls on Vulture when he's circling the um, the like uh, what do I want to say the force field that's surrounding our hapless victims. It's this yellow light that kind of like it's very soft on him, and it gives it this kind of eerie um, feel. And I, and I thought that was really uh, a wonderful touch. So you know, I think this one is the art team stepping it up quite a bit. And I wonder if maybe there was some kind of like time pressures on the, on the middle one that made it not as refined as the others. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not an art guy, so I can't speak highly to that, but I, you know, I think anybody could look at this and say, this is a more refined uh, piece of work. All right. So, so what's your grade on this one? 
I'm giving this one a B. I think th- this one or the first one is my favorite part of this arc. Um, I think it's got some really nice-looking art. Not amazing, but nice-looking art. And I like this kind of story better where we're advancing the plot um, throughout. You know, I felt like every other page there was some new interesting wrinkle being you know, introduced, be it um, like the death of a character, um, the um, – you know the, the the crippling of another villain, the acquiring of an island. Um, these kind of things are interesting. Um, I'm not so sure if I loved things like anybody can swap minds with anybody in this universe now. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's getting it's that's getting played out a little bit. I mean, I, I it, you know, but again, that kind of plays into the parallels that you pointed out earlier with between um, Otto and Peter, and then now Otto and and Smythe. Yeah, and I think like like for me like a C-rated issue is like a standard like oh no someone's at the bank and we got to stop them. And this one like it advances the plot. It uh, it has a thematic parallel, which I think is something a lot of comics don't even attempt to do. So it's better than average for me. It, it, I'll give it a B. How about you? I, I'm I'm my mounting frustration is uh, with with the characterization is starting to. Uh, lower my grade, so I'm going to go B minus. Um, you're right. There's there's plot developments, but you know I, I I feel like we're serving story more than character right now, and I want to see a little more focus on character. And I, I don't know if we're going to get that in the next issue, but we, we can talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move into that issue. Spider-Man 14. Um, yeah, this is this is where I really started to get a little fed up with Otto Octavius, and you know I, I, I I'm not giving up on this series or anything like that. But but this was this was a frustrating comic book for me um, because it, it, it's it's more about I mean Spider-Man is you know Doc Ock is Spider-Man is just so dominant now. I mean he's 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 marching into Shadowland and and just knocking down the doors and he's taking out Kingpin, setting them on the run, setting Hobgoblin on the run. He's got giant robots. What are these things called? Uh, arachnots. Arachnots. Okay. I mean, they kind of look like uh, you know the all-terrain walkers from Empire Strikes Back to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got his spiderlings, his like little minions. And and it's just. <sighs> It's 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 it's. I'm reading a comic book about a villain. That's what that's what the problem is. I'm I'm reading a, a comic book about a villain posing as a hero, and I know that's that is the concept, the superior Spider-Man. But it's just it's it's. He's outsmarting everybody, and he's just 
totally dominating people. And then meanwhile, you know, the big the big shocking ending uh, on this comic book is yet another Green Goblin teaser. This is now what our third Green Goblin teaser. Um, we we've had this comic book before. I, I feel like we've read I've read this this story already like three or four times uh, since this run began, and we're we're fourteen issues deep. Um, it's it's getting very frustrating for me. Yeah, I I'm the same way. It's it's you know it's it's one thing to tell this story, and I appreciate the idea of of taking down Shadowland. I mean, why was that thing still up? I don't know. And I think really a lot of this issue is just Dan Slott's commentary on like. Why is Shadowland still there? You know, it's 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 serving the Marvel Universe over this particular character arc. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to, like, repeat beats, uh, you know, but you can do it in a new way. This one repeats exact same beats over and over and over again. We know the spider bots don't detect goblin things. We know that... Spider-Man is blackmailing Jonah. We know that the Green Goblin is collecting minions. Like, what more is there to learn? Now, we do get some new things. We get a new costume, and we get the, you know, a status quo change, I guess, in that he is, like, uber-powerful. And I, I wonder if this is an issue that was meant to be, like, they've been advertising the heck out of it. I wonder if it was just meant as a, like, get-people-on-board issue, but... For people that are already on board, it's like, okay, like, I get it, and... Yeah, there's definitely a point one feel to it, um, but, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. There's a new suit, there's new technology, there's a new attitude, I guess, um, or a new authority to it, and, but, like, there's, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I mean, okay, the, the, the suit, the costume, which was kind of, I, I felt like it was a spin on the, the Iron Spider armor that we talked about a few podcasts ago with, with that Tony Stark developed for, for Spider-Man um, with the extra appendages and, and whatnot. And, but, but, but we don't know for certain because it's, it's also different. So is, you know, like what about, you know, what about a scene of, of Otto in his lab, you know, trying to soup up, soup up his costume and like, Oh, this, that, that charlatan Tony Stark developed this. I will make it better. I, I mean, like, like we, why does he need all this? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it just seems like, gross extravagance for the sake of it instead of, you know, actually giving us any kind of justification for it. Yeah, I love to see him, like, commanding his minions, like, prepping them for battle. I mean, it's funny because we're going to equally say we want the series to move on and get over with, but we're but at the same time we're like, no, actually, like, we want to see that build up. Um, this should be, I think, to me, the apex of Superior Spider-Man. Like, and I think it is. I think the ending of this issue cues us that, okay, the goblin threat is real, it's as high as it's going to be because he's taken over the whole city, apparently the whole, like, underground of the city, and I think this is the point where we see the, all of these, uh, things start to pay off, right? Like, it might just be one punch after the next, and I, I hope so because we're, we're approaching, um, like, I don't know how much more powerful he could get, like, he has gone full supervillain here. Um, and I, I, I gotta think that the ending, the final big blow up page at the end here is okay, time for some retribution. So I'm interested to see what happens next. And I know that the next two issues are featuring both of the goblins. So I think we're going to get that. Um, but yeah, in this issue, it's really unsatisfying. Yeah, definitely. Although I will say in terms of like 
really upper crust pantheon comedic moments in Spider-Man history. Kingpin's body double. How great was that? <laughs> it's it so me? entirely random, but it was it was really enjoyable. It's like, what the hell? He's got a fat guy just like live it's like the kingpin like that has always been mocked actually exists uh yeah exactly like the, in the, his the, basement yeah the fatty fat fat wilson fisk is is there it's his body double with pre-programmed dna which is just brilliantly smart like what does that and, even mean i i mean you know it, i mean but it's like such a nod to like obviously like what's in the news with you know terrorists like bin laden and and politicians like Saddam Hussein who supposedly always had like 900 body doubles I just love that Kingpin was part of that kind of diabolical scheming that he would he would come prepared for a moment like this it was it was it was a a legitimate laugh out loud moment for me in a comic book Um, yeah I think my favorite moments in this issue are actually the interplay between uh, the Hobgoblin and and Kingpin as they're going through the basement and they set fire to it and they escape and Hobgoblin gets out of there quickly. Like those are fun moments. And um, I've reread this issue a couple of times and I've enjoyed it more the more that I've read it uh, because I think it is kind of like big, bold kind of fun. Um, I don't know if it's the right like pacing that I would have wanted for the series at this point, but I think the work in this issue um, is actually like really kind of fun and goofy and, um, and like, I mean, it's bigger than anything. There's, this is a, like a book of page and double page spreads. Yeah, and 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 you know, while we're dealing with that, let's talk a little bit about Ramos here, since we we were kind of referring to him earlier. The, these are the issues where I I, I don't do well with Ramos because I feel like it's just too much going on. You know, you got. Spider-Man doing like crazy yoga poses in the middle of a fight scene, and and it's just it's too over the top, and I, you know I, I think he, it just needs to be calmed. You know, it's like let's 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 take a mo and relax. You know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think there's like I mean the one you're definitely referring to, and my big problem is the middle of the book is uh, Spider-Man doing this weird contortionist pose. And slashing apart the hand who exploded into dust. It's way too busy of, of an image. It doesn't allow you to like really ground yourself there. And it removes kind of the fun of Spider-Man who's always been a tactile um, superhero. You know, he has to bounce off walls and he has to – you know, and here you might as well be Superman flying around tearing everything to shreds. Um, but I think you know, if you can ignore that page, I think the rest of the book is like really quite beautiful. Um, you know, the, I love the way he draws like Jonah, like yelling into his computer, and um, you know uh, the hobgoblin flying around. And there's an amazing image of Spider-Man and his minions like walking out of the dust of the, the, the destroyed Shadowland, which I think is really kind of like epic looking. I mean, it's a big, boisterous issue, and there's fun to be had with it. Um, the first appearance of the Arachnots. I think is like a pretty bold looking image and all the little spiderlings kind of like, like uh, running their own little machines. It's a lot of fun. Like I think this guy more than any other artist I've ever seen has more fun with his art than like anybody have ever read. That's a fair point. I, I just, it, it, you know, like I said, there's this, there's always been a sketchiness to Ramos's, uh, um, art, which is, I mean, it's his calling card. Um, but like, I mean, I agree with you. I love how he does Jameson. I I have never been a fan of of Ramos's Goblin, Green Goblin. Um, 
And, you know, the, that final image there, I, I almost felt like the goblin looked like Skeletor with, like, his jaw wide open. Like, it was just too, like, thin and, and skeletal. And I, it just, I, you know, I, I, it felt sloppy to me. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. Like, I especially on the previous page, like the second to last page where he's got that, like, wicked smile and those evil eyes. I'm like, yes, like, I want to I want to see who this guy is, you know. Um, I don't know if I buy it as a mask per se, but I don't know if I've ever bought the Green Goblin as actually wearing a mask. Um, he kind of just transforms. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Long- there's kind of fun to be had here. I like his like kind of like cute kingpin. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the panel of kingpin where he's like, "That's not the Spider-Man I know." I actually kind of like his like quizzical face there. Um, I, I, like I said, there are moments where it works and the moments where it doesn't. And I feel like since this was a very big budget Michael Bay esque comic book, um, and the, the 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 art just felt slapdash to me. Um, but you know that's 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 why we all have our different opinions. Yeah, and, no, and, and I I agree with you. I I think I think my least favorite thing Ramos does, and I think some of this was on display in Spider Island, although I think it got. Uh, tampered down a bit are these big double page splashes where there's a million things going on and none of it you can like clearly identify yeah. um, so I, I agree with you there um, but I don't think it's all a loss like I think uh, he, he would cert- like for we said the lack of detail that's present in Kim and Coley's work he, you know if anything Ramos has more detail than anybody I've ever seen like every character is emoting something and like his New York is a really detailed New York there are papers hanging on the walls and salesmen like I just like that he puts the time and care you know, into his work that you know that I want to see I'm, I'm paying three ninety nine for a comic you know what like I'd rather somebody go big than go small definitely all right, so what's your grade on this one, Dan? Um, well, I mean, I wanted to say one more thing that I liked about this issue that I uh, was the framing device of Jaime Maldana, Maldonado. Oh, please say it away then. I'm sorry to cut you, to almost cut you off there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to labor on it for too long, but I thought it was a fun way to, like, for Ramos to kind of, or not Ramos, uh, Slot to kind of make fun of the concept of Shadowland still existing and, and meanwhile give you that kind of like, uh, on the street uh, view, and it, and it kind of allows you to view uh, like the actions of the Superior Spider-Man without the lens of Peter Parker, um, kind of clouding the way that you see him acting because you can see that he actually is doing good things. Like destroying Shadowland was like a really good move, and he saved a lot of people's lives um, and really helped them out. And so, getting like the perspective of the man on the street, I thought was a really nice. Um, addition uh to to this book uh, i don't know how you felt about it uh, you know what I, I i i think you said you said it great and i don't know if i have any more of an impression on it than what you just said okay cool so <laughs> Not what, to, what was total your... cop-out answer <laughs> <laughs> what was your grade on this book i i like i said the, the frustration mounting i i'm i'm giving this a c which is probably like my lowest grade for it's certainly lowest grade since we started the podcast and probably my least favorite issue since Superior 2. Yeah, and um, I'm right there with you. I'm giving it a C plus because I think I probably like the art more than you did. All right, that sounds about right. So why don't we start speculating?
Hey, you know, do you have any ideas of where things are uh, where things are going next? Oh, goodness. Well, I have heard since Superior 14 came out, um, a number of people, mainly on my Twitter feed, even a couple of comments on my site, utter the phrase Clone Saga. I, I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as the Clone Saga. Certainly not at this juncture, although... The Clone Saga had promise when it started. I, I I will say that it's just it just got prolonged, and there didn't it didn't seem to go. You know, just when you thought we were about to get to a conclusion, uh, Marvel would find a way to drag it out for another twelve issues. You know, like so. Um, but you know, when you're hearing Clone Saga and Spider Man, and you know, as it refers to new status quos. I just don't know if that's what Marvel wants. I mean, do you think that this is? Do you think that's a little harsh using that phrase right now? Well, I mean, if I were them, I would worry. You know, like the lesson of the Clone Saga is don't stretch it out for too long. And this is going to be long, but I, I I'm really of the belief that this is the apex of the Superior Era. I mean, I don't know where else it could go. And I, you know, you've been saying a lot that you feel like, you know, there's all these like checkoff guns that have been set up. You know, like all of these, you know, potential foils to Spider-Man set up that need to start firing, and they haven't. And I think Dan Slott, um, he's got to know that. I mean, he's he's the one that set them up. Um, and I think, you know, you see a tremendous victory like this, um, and you see someone's power this strong, um, and then you see something like the goblin laughing at the end and saying that he's taken over the whole underworld. It has to be that this is going to start coming down now. Like I bet you this were 14 issues in. Give me 14 more issues. That's like 28. And one of our uh, listeners speculated there would be 33 issues of this to tie in with the master planner arc. You know, we've reached about the halfway point with this story arc. We have two more issues in this goblin story. That'll put us at 16, which is halfway there if that theory is to be believed. Um, I think we're going to start seeing the unraveling soon. So at least I hope, because if not, I I will be joining in that choir of Clone Saga. Yeah, I mean, but you're exactly right. It's just it's it's where where does where does he go from here? I mean, has there ever been not even just Spider Man, but any Marvel hero that just has this much of a power center? I mean, maybe Iron Man. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, even even Iron Man in his like heyday. I mean, you know, he was still dealing with. Um, you know, people always trying to take over Stark Industries and, you know, dissension among the ranks and all this other kind of stuff and, you know, issues with S.H.I.E.L.D., these issues with Captain America. I mean, you know, Spider-Man right now, I mean, he he has it all. He's he's omnipotent with, with physical power. He's omnipotent with mental power. He's on the Avengers. I mean, you know, like like what can't this guy do right now? And And – I mean, if he can get more powerful, I just don't know how. I mean, it's 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 it kind of seems like some kind of twisted fantasy to make him any more powerful. You know, it's like it's it's you know, it's going to be like the Hulk with a brain, or well, I know Hulk has had a brain sometimes, depending on who's writing him. But uh, you know what I mean, though. It's just it's just it's just too much. Yeah, I uh, I, I I fear that we're going to start going through a checklist here, where it's like, okay, what are every single what is every single Spider-Man property and how do we do a, a superior Spider-Man meets this person's spin on it? And you know, we'll talk about that in a bit in the news, but we have, you know, 2099 coming up, Venom, Kane, Black Cat. Like if it's just going to be like a like a, you know, check all the boxes to make sure that we've 
you know, seen him interact with everybody, that to me is going to feel a little aimless, I think. So I hope that that's not the case and that these stories start um, incorporating Peter and the actual, like, overall arc into them. And I, and I have faith that Dan Slott will do it because I think he's done that well up until this point. But I think this issue and, you know, the past arc uh, before that were kind of, like we were saying earlier, devoid of that progression. Um, so I think hopefully we start moving back towards that. Yeah. And then, you know, meanwhile, in terms of another little piece of speculation, you know, Green Goblin, the identity of him, I feel at this point, you know, I, I, I know in private conversations, Dan, you've kind of hedged away from Normie being the guy. And, and I, and I can see why, why you would say that, but the same token, like it's gotta be somewhat big, right? Like with, with this much of a tease and this much build, like it's got to be Norman or Harry or someone really close and personal to Spider-Man for this to matter, right? Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, the only reason I don't say Norman anymore is because the art is very clearly making it look like an adult. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm just saying that that, but like, they, they got to do something big here. It's got to be something big, something personal, something that is, you know, because. You know, they're 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 clearly Slot is clearly establishing that the Green Goblin is going to be the superior Spider-Man's arch foe. Um, just like you know, depending on you know the comic at the time, he was the Amazing Spider-Man's arch foe. Um, but who could so, it be? I mean, I don't think. Do you think it could be Norman? <sighs> there seems to be. You know, it's almost like this. The lady doth protest too much here. I mean, there seems to be such a. Oh, well, there's a goblin, but no one ever said it was Norman Osborn. So why why would they be so insistent on that? And and you know we haven't seen anything from Harry in a while, have we? Yeah, but Harry was off living with his child, like wanting nothing to do with this. Like, yeah, what motivation I, I, does he have to come back unless he's gone crazy again? Which seems like a really like dumb plot to bring back. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, and you know, not to peek ahead into our classic issue, but I mean, if it ends up being kind of a lame reveal, like what we ultimately got with Hobgoblin in the '80s, I, I'm going to be really steamed about that. Like, it's got to be somebody big and important, I think, to 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 match the way it's being built. Yeah, Otherwise, I agree, and I have no idea who has the motivation to do this. But like, if it, if it's like the owl as the Green Goblin or something dumb like that, or it's Ned Leeds again, <laughs> He's, Ned is back. <laughs> I just you know, no thank you. Or, or you've got us interested, but you got to pay it off soon. Yeah, exactly. And well, you know, they they don't necessarily have to reveal him soon. I'm just, I mean, they got to start moving on the story with him soon. Yeah, but like. Yeah. But but all the same, like when 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 you know when the big identity reveal does come, it's got to be something seismic to me to make to match because it's like you know I mean it's just like the original goblin reveal. I mean you know the the big the big urban legend was you know Stan wanted someone big and Dicko wanted just another guy and and although that's been refuted to some degree. Um, the point is, it can't be just another guy. It can't. It, that, that that would just feel really cheap and stupid. Yeah, I agree. Um, any other speculation on this one? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, <laughs> I could guess all day who the goblin is, and yeah, yeah. You know, I I put together all the clues that I thought I had, which led me to Normie, the daddy line, and I guess that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well then. Why don't we do our uh, our look back? Absolutely. Tuck my kids in the bed. 
We are looking at um, really one of my, my, my favorite comics that I'm actually currently um, I'm profiling the entire uh, story arc that starts in this comic. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 238. It's the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. Um, this was written by Roger Stern, probably after Stan Lee, my favorite Spider-Man writer. Uh, with art by uh, John Romita Jr. That's you know Romita's son, who's probably my favorite artist. Uh, senior, Junior is great too. Nothing's taking nothing away from Junior, but just saying like so. There's there's a lot of um, really good DNA in this issue, and um, I, I mean to me, what what always stands out to me about Amazing Spider-Man 238 is I I cannot think of a better villain introduction than what we got with Hobgoblin. I mean, it really it, the whole thing is just very epic. The whole issue feels very epic, and. Um, you just knew that this was going to be a special character. I mean, just for background, uh, Stern, Stern was getting pressure from Marvel to kind of resurrect the Goblin, and Stern didn't want to do that. He wanted to create a new villain, but he didn't want to just put someone else in the Goblin uh, costume. So he instead decided to almost... It's, it's basically like the superior Green Goblin. You know, the Hobgoblin was going to have the technology and the strength and, 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 what, and whatnot of the Green Goblin, but with a much more cunning, methodical nature, um, much more um, focused on, I think, big picture criminal underworld um, kind of under, you know, evil doing. And what we got was a really quality villain. Um, and, you know, this comic being the introduction of it makes it, I think, a really special one in my collection. Yeah, um, there is no better introduction to a villain in my, you know, as far as I uh, think. And uh, I'll come out and say it. The Hobgoblin is my favorite villain. Uh, oh, excellent. I think because of the way he's introduced. Um, this is how you sustain a mystery and and how you uh, create intrigue. It's not just a, a, a flash of an image and saying, you know, this is, um, you know, our character like we're doing right now where we're like, who is the goblin? I don't really know. But like here it was shadows and, uh, you know, red herrings and other characters that you're like, oh, I think it's definitely this person. No, it's not this person. And, um, you know, uh, Georgie, you know, the guy who, dis- you know, who discovers it and then tips off uh, the, go- the hobgoblin about the goblin uh, base, like – who is this guy? You're like, oh, maybe this guy is going to be the guy. You know, it's the whole thing is set up in a way that flows so naturally. And oh my goodness, is John Romita Jr.'s art like at the top of his game here? Like this is, I don't know if he would agree with this, but the thing is just like oozing pulp, like noir, 
like sentiment, like especially in the sewers and the slow discovery uh, of of this goblin uh, lair. It's really wonderful stuff. Yeah, I mean the page by page, you know, like here are the here is the weapons, here are the gloves, here are the boots, here's the mask. It's just so gripping. I, I mean, like it's it's like I mean, I, I would. If I was teaching a class on comic book writing, I would show those like last what four or five pages of that comic book. Be like, this is how you introduce characters. This is, and and still maintain a total air of mystery because we have no idea who this guy is. But um, it's just it's just given so much bravado and and, and you know the, when I'm writing about this series on Chasing Amazing, I just keep using the word epic over and over, and I'm sure people are starting to get sick of it now that I'm like four parts into the series but it's just that's what it is this is this has the this is like a you know you're a movie guy so you you would probably you know relate the the like an epic hollywood film feel to it you know like the this is like the ben-hur of villain introductions i feel you know it's just like this is this is what it's about this is why we read comic books for things like this yeah, and it goes right back to Spider-Man's origin story, the fact that he let one of the criminals get away, uh, you know, essentially could lead to his undoing, the creation of his newest, greatest villain. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you mentioned Georgie and some of the misdirection here. And, you know, just as an example of, like, you know, what makes this story so gripping, you know, where, you know, Georgie's kind of set up as a red herring here. You know, he's the one who discovers the lair, uh, you know, is he taking orders or is he the one giving the orders? And then, boom, the van blows up. And you're just like, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm reading this how many years after the fact that this was written. And that's still, that moment gets me every time. It's like, it's like Stern basically saying, no, strap your seatbelts. This is, this is, you know, I'm not giving you answers that easily. And, and, and it totally works because it's, it's a total hook. And I know that the Hobgoblin is Roderick Kingsley. But every time I read this, I forget that. Like, I'm like, oh, I really want to know who this guy is. You know, it's just that gripping, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's just like – and then even as subsequent issues come out, you're like – you know, I'm, I'm, I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, wait, so maybe this is Ned Leeds or, 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 or what about this guy? Maybe – should I be suspecting Harry? Would Harry be going back? I mean there's like all these different little misdirections and, 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 and you know, of course, this is the foundation for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 like uh, they're redoing the original Goblin story, but with the like 2020 hindsight of like this is how you do it with a more expanded cast, where you can actually start to guess, you know, who the who it is, and not really know. Like, I don't think anybody would have guessed Roderick Kingsley. Although going back and reading those spectacular Spider-Man issues where he's introduced. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting character, um, and and one that you could see like needing to turn to this kind of violence because um, he's kind of a pushover, and um, I think he's actually portrayed uh, as a homosexual, um, and that's interesting too. Um, you know, I don't know if that's ever been followed up on. I'd be interested to see, but um, you know, I, I I'm pretty sure that is in the writing in the spectacular Spider-Man issues, or at least in between the lines, and so. You know, I wonder if anybody's ever tried to like get that back into the comic. I don't remember that ever being a point. Yeah, I didn't. Me neither. And, and he was 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 Kinsley introduced by Stern during his run, or was that a Mantlo creation? It was a Stern creation in particular. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just yeah, I, I, and and that would make sense why Stern Stern would have essentially retconned the eventual 
reveal. I mean, not not you know, total spoiler alert for comic books that are over twenty years old now. But you know, the the, the big controversy with the Hobgoblin is we had all this mystery. And then the eventual reveal in Amazing Spider-Man 289 was that it was Ned Leeds. And this was kind of really screwed. And this was done by Peter David, uh, you know, obviously a very good, famous writer in his own right. Um, and this was screwy because literally like a month before, Ned Leeds is killed off in, in the Spider-Man Wolverine one shot for, in 1987. So it's like, you know, where is this coming from? <laughs> so like 10 years after that, uh, Stern writes a, uh, a miniseries where he basically retcons and says that Kingsley hypnotized Ned Leeds to be the fall guy and that Kingsley was always the hobgoblin. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, nobody decided to call Stern and be like, hey, where were you going with this? Like, what was the end game? And I'm, there's a lot of interesting stories to be told around that time and period in the Marvel offices. Yeah, I would love to write a book. I, I mean, I, I would have to have the research to write a book, but I would love to write a book about that because there just seems to be a lot of political stuff going on behind the scenes between, you know, that was the Jim Shooter era that led into the Tom DeFalco era. And then you had Jim Owsley, who was doing who had his agenda and then Peter David, who had his agenda. And, and you know, Peter David in interviews always said he said Ned Leeds because he felt that's who the evidence suggested. And, you know, I, I in, in, in the part four of the um Hobgoblin arc on Chasing the Maze, and I actually talk a little bit more about, um, I think I, you know, it's, I think it's an Amazing Spider-Man 245 where I feel like signs start pointing more towards Ned for the first time, and I'm like, okay, so I could see maybe this is where Peter was going when he said that, but, but, um, and Kingsley was, was such a peripheral character at that point. Ned was, was much more ingrained uh, in the Spider-Man universe, so I guess it would make sense to have a bigger person be the reveal, but um, it, it's it, for such a, a monumental character. It always is. I mean, I guess this kind of adds to the myth of the character, the fact that the reveal was so screwy. But um, yeah, I mean, it, Kingsley had only been in two issues of Spectacular at this point, and no issues of Amazing. Um, so, like, who would have ever thought that this kind of throwaway side character would come back like that? And you know, if you were reading Spectacular and you read it as it, it transitioned, you know, Roger Stern transitioned from Spectacular into Amazing. Like he would start a storyline there and finish it in Amazing. So if you were just reading Amazing, you'd be a little confused. So for those of you who have only read Amazing, you know, you should check out Stern's stuff on Spectacular. Before he transitioned over, because you might see the first half of a lot of storylines that you like didn't know ever existed, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, you know, I, I, I'm really happy that we chose to pick this issue this week. Um, did you? Does the copy in your collection have the mythical tattoo, or uh, <laughs> or um, or is that does that even exist? Does anybody have the comic with the tattoo? I got I, I got to think someone does. But uh, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, this uh, cover, this famous cover of this issue, says with a free tattoo inside, and so yeah, I've always wondered that too because uh, the one that I have actually when I bought it. Um, on the cover of the package, it said, no tattoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there must be some with tattoos that they know that people are asking about the tattoo. And and for what I understand, the tattoo has nothing to do with Spider-Man. No, or not Hot at Bell. all. Not at it's, all. It's like some, like, random thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Marvel and comic books don't ever change. <laughs> if I ever find the tattoo, I'm taking it to a tattoo shop and getting it permanently on me. Do it. 
Do it. It'll be like the it'll be like the the Green Goblin tattoo. Like you'd be part of some cool gang and, and... <laughs> the world's most el- el- elite and like meanwhile like completely loser gang ever. Oh man, I would I would have so much respect for you though if you if you if you walked around sporting that thing. So right. well, I've earned your respect. <laughs> exactly, and that's something. I don't know if uh, I would even respect myself. <laughs> Well, again, I'm glad we talked about this. Do we want to uh, get into some reader feedback here, Dan? Yeah, absolutely we do. things off here um we're gonna we're gonna start off with some itunes reviews that you guys have sent in yeah uh, please be sure to go on uh, itunes and review us yeah superior spider talk on itunes make sure you that da- you put a dash between spider and talk and you will find us and download us and then uh, well you already had download us if you're listening to this but then review us um, this one is from Corvette Lover 63. He uh, or he or she gave us uh, four out of five stars. Great show, guys! It was a very great show with your insights on the comics. But like, but I like Spider-Man Crawlspace and Superiority. They are simply superior. I think he's referring to Spider-Man Crawlspace and Superiority uh, podcasts. Um, sorry that uh, you don't find us as superior, but thanks for listening and checking in, Corvette Lover 63. All right, the next one comes from Flash FMA, and uh, it's a five out of five star review, uh, covering new stuff but still loving the old is the title. And it says this, I was looking for a Spidey podcast and knew I'd have to hear about the current status of the Spidey books. I was more than pleasantly surprised when I found this cast by two longtime fans who enjoy the current status quo. These guys' praises and detailed previews on the current issues prompted me to go back and give Superior a second try. Hands down, one of the best podcasts around with lots, with lots of enhanced features that I just flat out love that they take advantage of. Great show by two great hosts. Highest of recommends. So thank Love you, uh, Flash FMA. And Stephen Wacker, if you're listening, um, you know, we got someone to pick up your book. So you know, send some royalties our way. There you go. There you go. And how about we uh, check to the email, which, um, as, as you sh- all should know at this point, our email is superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. Um, we will also read your emails on the air, as we're about to do here. This one is from Ethan B. Hey, Dan and Mark. I just wanted to say that you guys' podcast is awesome. I don't read Superior Monthly, so it's awesome to hear you guys talking about it. Anyway, thanks for making this podcast and keep it up. Well, well sorry, Mr. Wacker. This one is not someone who reads it monthly, um, but uh, we can take those royalties anyway. <laughs> uh, our next email comes from Clint Buckler, who says, Hey, guys, just wanted to let you know I'm loving the podcast. Just recently found out you guys because I was curious about what was happening with Spidey. I dropped the book after Superior Issue number 2, which is, I guess, also our least favorite one. Um, I could go with the story of swapping Peter for Ock, but couldn't stand reading Solicit saying, oh, you're going to hate what we do next. Oh, you hear that, Wacker? Um, <laughs> this is all our shout-out to Wacker, apparently. He I says, know, I know. <laughs> He says, it's nice hearing from longtime Spidey fans that enjoy the new direction. I myself have an extensive collection of amazing, nowhere near as great as your guys' collections. 
Either way, hearing your positive comments about Superior has prompted me to catch up with the title. Anyways, wanted to let you guys know to keep up the awesome work, and I'll continue to listen. So thanks, Clint. And again, we have another customer for Wacker. Oh, man. Wacker, we're, we're, we're Wacker's number one fans today, I think. Um, before, before we start getting into plugs and stuff, we also want to give special thanks to Cody Wilson from SpiderFan. Uh, for encouraging uh, a lot of the email that we've been getting, and to our super fan Brennan uh, Gallagher. Yeah, he writes into me more than anyone else, so I wanted to give him a special shout out. Brennan, thank you so much, and 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 keep doing what you're doing because we love to hear from it. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show, but you have another episode to look forward to really soon. Of course, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or more preferably find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk or you can just look up Spider-Man and we're like one of the top podcasts. Woo! Woo-hoo. Um, and if you do so, please leave us a rating and comment and let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. There were a few other comments that we received but we're saving them for our sixth episode so look forward to that if you haven't heard yourself be mentioned on the show. We still love you. We're just going to read you later. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. And of course, we'll address and read them on the air like we just did. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk. So Mark, why don't you tell us and all of our fine listeners where we can find more of your work on the internet. Well, where can't you find my work? Oh, uh, no. uh, well, obviously, the, 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 the motherboard for, for me is ChasingAmazingBlog.com. That is my site. Um, it's still updated every Monday and Thursday, and I've been writing a lot lately, so probably even more beyond that. But Monday, Thursdays are the definite days where you get stuff. Um, and um, as I've been doing for the past month, and we'll do um, certainly for the next... Uh, I think four weeks it'll be. Um, I've been profiling the original Hobgoblin saga, so that's basically all the Hobgoblin appearances in Spider-Man uh, in the Spider-Man universe up to Amazing Spider-Man 251, including the Spectacular Spider-Man issue. I did. I, I will in fact review that as well, even though my site is very ASM focused. Then um, beyond chasing amazing, there is Gimmick or Good, which is my uh, my weekly slash regular column at Comics Should Be Good blog. Um, I, I got into a little bit of hot water with this one this week when I accidentally said that Wolverine had an Adamantian skeleton. I am for shamed. Uh, and and I'm sure to let you know it. Yes, Dan, Dan has reminded me of that one countless times. If you just check my Twitter feed, which is at ChasingASMblog on Twitter. Um, you could also find Chasing Amazing on Facebook if you like my page there. That's great. Um, and then coming up, I, I believe the second week of August, I got a really fun post lined up for Longbox Graveyard, uh, where we're going to be looking at some of the more uh, less than stellar members of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. And I think you know, with superior with su- superior foes of Spider-Man, this one's going to really be a fun little piece. Um, and then finally. Uh, every other Friday, you can find me on Seacourt.org talking about Walking Dead uh, and, and all the fun that Walking Dead inspires. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. Well, again, I'm Dan Gavazdin, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. And I imagine some of you actually don't know how to spell my name. So it's Dan, 
And then Gavazdin is G-V-O-Z-D-E-N. Hey, all right. And um, you can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, where I've now got my review of The Wolverine up, if you are interested in that at all. Sorry. And you can find out about how I know that Wolverine's skeleton is, in fact, made out of bones covered in adamantium. And I will be launching shortly, and I will be sure to announce it here on the podcast feed, superiorspidertalk.com. It's currently being developed by my uh, web designer, and it's going to be pretty awesome. And you'll find out more about that soon. That's awesome. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's superior. All right. Well, once again, from uh, Mark Giannacchio and Dan Gavazin and Superior Spider Talk Podcast, uh, just remember, with great podcasts comes Superior Spider Talk. (laughs) 